If you're an entrepreneur, you know what it means to take personal and financial risks, create jobs that support your community, and devote most of your time to your business. But do you know how to plan for a successful exit from your business? Do you know who should be involved in creating your succession or transition plan and the steps along the way? Welcome to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. The podcast theme is inspired by critically acclaimed business author, Bo Burlingham, author of Finish Big, how great entrepreneurs exit their companies on top. In this podcast, you'll hear success stories of exit plans done right and pick up practical tips based on years of legacy business advisors' expertise and knowledge about the largest and most important financial transaction of your life. Now, on to the show. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Finish Big Podcast. My name is Mark Dorman. I'm your host, and today I am excited to uh, welcome to the show Jerry Schill, CEO and founder of Schill Grounds Management, which is based in Northeast Ohio. He's got quite a story to share with us this afternoon. First of all, let me start by welcoming you, Jerry, to the show, and thank you for joining us here on Finish Big. Mark, I appreciate you having me. Look forward to the conversation and have enjoyed uh, other podcasts. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we've got kind of a, a an agenda that is chock full of items I want to touch on. And you've got, uh, you've accomplished quite a lot. I was looking on your LinkedIn website, but I wanted to start by maybe you share with our listeners a little bit of your personal history in the beginnings. I think of landscaping somehow I imagine perhaps you were cutting lawns as a high school or college kid, maybe you and your brother. I know he's involved in your business. And from there, the journey began. Walk us through it, if you will. Yeah, so we just celebrated our 30th anniversary a couple of weeks ago and really humbled and proud to be able to say that because over the past 30 years, some days you wondered if it was ever going to happen. Um, Congratulations, yeah. But yeah, so my brother and I both graduated from college and both with business degrees and had done a little bit of landscaping to kind of help bridge the gap between some of the costs of school. None of us, neither one of us had had really any intentions in getting into this industry. But one of the things that kind of happened in the four months between me graduating and starting, you know, my job with my degree as a production manager was I really kind of fell in love with this concept of this entrepreneurial spirit that this industry provided as well as the creative outlet. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously growing up as, as children and being an athlete our whole life, we were outside and loved being outdoors. So I didn't realize at the time how much I had really enjoyed doing what we were doing until I started my job. I started my job sometime in October and really by the following summer, I would say June, uh, I quickly realized that being cooped up in an office and that type of white collar environment just wasn't appealing to me at all. And then my brother and I through, through several discussions decided to kind of give it a, and for us, we didn't really have any, we, well, we had no formal background in, in the industry per se, but we just loved again, that outlet of being able to be creative and entrepreneurial at the same time. And we just love hustling. So we decided to kind of give it a, give it a shot. He graduated a semester early from college. And by January of 1993, we decided to kind of take our little, experiment and incorporate it so the rest is history and thank you for sharing that as background jerry who was on your team back then you mentioned your brother tell us a little bit more well in the early days it was it was primarily the two of us i think year two we might have added uh, an office manager 
um, to kind of help with some of the the general accounting and, and clerical responsibilities. And I, if memory serves me correct, that was kind of a fractional or a part-time person for mm-hmm. probably a couple of years. But, you know, we were turning the lights on in the morning and sending the, the invoices out by night and uh, just making sure that the, the business stayed humming along. Um, yeah, incredible. I mean, it's, it's your, your, your story uh, is uh, akin to many other entrepreneurs. I mean, it's just, you know, you start from the, the, the literal, the basement, the garage, a few, maybe a few pieces of uh, landscaping equipment and off you go uh, chock full of optimism, right? That's it. Every day you just wake up and start over or just, you, you, you know, you're taking a bet on yourself. We believed in that and, and just we kept, we kept waking up every day and grinding it out. Yeah, I think it's so true in in today's business environment. I'm not a gambler, but I would certainly rather bet on my ability to grow my business, or perhaps you would bet on your ability to grow a business versus sending your money off to Wall Street and let someone try to grow their business, correct? Yeah, and I think one of the things that maybe set us apart, other than having great parents who are hardworking and really provided us the foundation for everything that we've accomplished was we never looked at what we were doing as we never looked at ourselves as landscapers. We didn't consider ourselves to be landscapers per se. We really were fascinated by this entrepreneurial framework where you could, Mm -hmm. you could really go out, you know, with a vision, with an idea and really determine who you are at at your core, your core values, so to speak, and then really just go execute on that, that vision. And I say that because I, what I see today is there's a lot of folks that think they're a plumber, they think they're a landscaper, or they think they're a financial advisor. It could be anything for that matter. But really, at the end of the day, it's about being entrepreneurial. Sure. Yeah. I'm a businessman who happens to be in the landscaping business, right? I'm a businessman who happens to be in the HVAC business. That's the way I look at the world. Would you agree with that? I absolutely would. And, uh, you know, early on, we actually took advantage, you know, we, you know, our, I look back and our college education is everything to us uh, because it made us see the world differently, but we were always, we always had that itch. We always wanted to learn something. So Mm -hmm. we were very entrepreneurial. We always wanted to continue to grow, not a landscaping business, but our business. And we leveraged a lot of the free resources. SCORE was a big thing in Cleveland, the senior council of of retired executives. Yeah, through through, through Cozy, right? Yeah. Yeah, we would go down there and talk to those folks as often as we could. If it was raining, we'd go down there and ask questions and bounce ideas off people. And we would always really take an issue that we were having and seek out advice and counsel on how to kind of really skip through the learning curve as quickly as we could. Yeah, I I mean, I appreciate you sharing that with our audience because so many times uh, in my journey, it it travels and talking to small business owners throughout the Midwest. I say, who do you talk to for you? Who do you seek advice and counsel with or? Who do you go to for help? And it, it can oftentimes be a very, very lonely world. So I applaud you for saying, hey, what resources are out there and utilizing them? I mean, there's a lot of talented men and women out there that would love to help a young entrepreneur, you and your brother back in the day, you know, just grow your business, build a business plan, understand financials and really coach you up, if you will. And, and, and it's just such a great story. So when you started at that point, what was the name of your business? Was it Shill Landscaping? Yeah, it was Shill Landscaping and Lawn Care Services, Inc. And the funny part is we don't even know how services ended up in the name, but when it came back approved, it was in there. So we just kind of went with it. It was, available, the year, it was available by the Secretary of State, so we ran with it, right? Yeah, and then over the years, we, you know, the corporation is still the same, but we DBA'd Shill Landscaping Development and Shill Grounds Management, which is what 
most people see in the market today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Terrific. Uh, question. I know I've got a, a few other landscaping clients that I represent on their exit and succession plan. I know kind of the three verticals would be uh, hardscape or uh, landscape, which is more of a transactional business that can get a little bit lumpy and you have good months and bad months, but really the secret sauce is that recurring revenue to help build value. So snow and ice removal, lawn maintenance, landscape maintenance. So uh, at its peak, if you share with our listeners, what was the composition of your various revenue streams? If I understand you, the business has gone through dozens of iterations. We did everything for everybody for years, whether it was residential, commercial, design build, bid build, uh, maintenance, enhancements. So we used to have this P&L that had 10 profit centers on it. And over the years, as we continued to learn and grow uh, and really work on developing this, this business model that we were trying to achieve, uh, we really started boiling it down yet. Jack Welch and the Jim Collins uh, were meaningful to us as we took on this journey. But we really said, like, what can we do and be really, really good at it? Where can we really stand out in the market, really take market share? And over the years, you know, we went from show landscaping and lawn care services, Inc. to show landscape development and show grounds management. We diluted kind of the services into those two buckets. And then in 2012, we made a conscious decision to go strictly commercial maintenance and winter services. And, you know, like I say, we, we had a hard enough time trying to do one thing, right. Let alone trying to do two things. Right. So we really kind of boiled down our, our focus and it's been transformational and what we've been able to accomplish really over the last 10 years. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks uh, for sharing that. Our guest uh, today is Jerry Schill, CEO of Schill Grounds Management based in Northeast Ohio. He's got a great story, ladies and gentlemen. So is it, it, it as I heard you just share with us there is that you eventually evolved into more of a snow and ice removal and a maintenance service recurring revenue model, which becomes very attractive to buyers out there. They're buying revenue streams, right? We, we you, certainly you're a student of the game. You understand private equity in the capital markets at its peak. How many employees did Shill Grounds Management have? Today, we're uh, probably just north of 1,000 employees. We've got 20 locations operating in four states and two countries. Wow, that's amazing. But when uh, I want to I move over to the transition you made, and I'm going to just call it Shill 2.0. So word on the street is you kind of had maybe an aha moment. Uh, were you exploring an exit? Were you exploring a capital partner? And how did you go from your shop in North Ridgeville, Ohio, to multiple locations in two different countries. Walk us through that incredible story. It, it actually started before we even started thinking about exit. Um, in 2012, when we decided to kind of transition the business into a, this pure maintenance model, right? And we look at ourselves as asset managers, right? Like we're taking care of you know, the university hospitals and the Cleveland clinics and all the large retail facilities, you know, we're looking at services that these customers need year round, right? And, and, and to the point where if these services aren't provided and provided well, they're either shut down, you know, they incur significant risk or liability. Yeah. And, you know, they have customers or tenants, right, that have other options and, and may actually look to exit their facility. So, we look at more of ourselves as asset managers. When we started our transition, we weren't trying to solve how to be a landscaper or a snowplow. 
we were trying to figure out the perfect business mix for the Midwest. That was originally what we set out to try to accomplish. How do we create a business in the Midwest that focuses on these facility services, right? That can leverage almost as close to 100% people utilization and asset utilization. Because you, you, you know, landscaping is landscaping. It's very seasonal. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, help and, you know, finding and retaining employees and everything. So we said, hey, those are really a couple of the biggest issues. Let's try to solve for those and build this model around that. As we really focused on doing those things, it became a lot easier to not only grow the business, but to begin to scale the business. Excellent. So when you look to scale your business, I mean, one of the biggest challenges that every business owner faces who chooses to kind of break through no man's land to reference a previous episode with Doug Tatum uh, is capital, right? So as you grew the need and the accessibility to capital, you know, you may have bootstrapped the business to a certain point. Did you, did you come to a, a capital crisis ever where you said, man, if I just had more money, I could really push this thing through to another level or two. Actually, no, we were very methodical about our organic growth. We were fortunate that we were experienced in 15 to 20% organic growth annually. Um, we were raised by very fiscally conservative parents um, and we've run our business that way since day one, maybe in some cases too conservative. We could have probably deployed capital faster. Um, but that was really never the driving force behind really seeking out capital to begin with. It really evolved around I was a single parent for several years. And as I kind of would step back and look at my life and, you know, start thinking about my children, you know, my, my regular family. And then and I became really self-aware of like, well, what about my work family? Um, that's when things really started to, to change for me in the way I was thinking about not just the business, but about life. Yeah. So, so a little bit of uh, self-realization of, man, I'm getting into my fifties here and uh, where's this all taking me and, 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 and what's the journey ahead and, 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 and who's involved, right? Exactly. And like I say, I, you know, I started out for years, I'd had done all the normal things that every consultant would come to me and tell me to buy, whether it was life insurance or this fund or that fund or my 401ks and defined benefits, all the things that they would tell you to do. Um, and we would listen and we would, we would kind of take stock and all that and, and execute on it. But I realized that I didn't really have all my affairs in order from a comprehensive standpoint, like I probably needed to and the off chance that something would happen. And that actually became more of a focus for me because I had a buddy whose friend had passed who'd owned a very successful $30 million business wow. that the day he died was in turmoil because he had not planned accordingly. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, not naturally I went through and got all those succession planning affairs in order on the family side. And then once that was all done, my attorney says to me, okay, like, what are we going to do with the business? And I didn't have an answer for that. Interesting. That's that's uh, just terrific insight. Again, thank you. So uh, you had this moment of self-realization. You got your personal affairs in order. Your attorney says, "Hey, Jerry, what's what's the plan here for for you know the big enchilada, the business itself?" And who helped you through that process? Not not by name necessarily, but it was. Did you assemble a team? Did you work with an exit planner? Was this your board of advisors? And, and, and what were some of the directions and what did you learn from that process? Yeah, so I had 
I had a ton of resources that were willing to help. So I will tell you in 2011, I believe it was late in 11, I made a decision when I was actually buying my brother out of the original entity that I needed to really kind of sharpen my, my game, my business game a little bit. So I went out looking at different associations, or organizations to be a part of. And I ended up joining a Vistage group in 2011. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that you understand what Vistage is all about, but it really has tra- transformed the way not only I think about my business, but my life. So I had a lot of great role models and mentors and examples in that group. And then over the years, obviously, you create and develop relationships with a host of different advisors and attorneys along the way. So I always made sure I stayed on top of the the finances and kind of the estate planning stuff, at least annually. And then over time, it just kind of evolved into kind of like I had to get this thing put together in a comprehensive fashion and kind of thinking about how do I take and remove all the fear and the trouble out of um, this process in the event something bad happens. Right. So, I mean, what I hear you saying, and it's, it's part of the, the process we take our clients through, Jerry, if you don't mind me sharing, is step one, what are your objectives? Uh, what's your timeline? Uh, what are your goals? And then really, let's de-risk our existing situation. So personal preparedness, you address that with your financial plan, your estate plan, et cetera. And there is a sense of calm there, I think, that allows you to then look down the road and say, okay, I've protected what I have. I've protected those that I love. I've protected my employees. Now I feel even more free and able to be more aggressive than I perhaps ever thought I could be. But you did, you, you kind of took that to the nth degree. You joined Vistage and you got yourself essentially the ability to lean into other business owners who had been there, done that. They would hold you accountable to your goals and aspirations. So yeah, I can't give our listeners of a, a plug for these peer-to-peer advisory programs that are out there, whether it's Vistage or the Alternative Board or TAB or EO, tons of resources, tons of other business owners that would help. Jerry, I know because I live in the, in your market, you've gone from, you're like a shooting star, Shield Grounds Management, and you personally, frankly, but now you've got multiple offices in two different countries in the US and Canada, that's a far cry from joining Vistage. So what transpired in the 10 years between now and let's say 2012? So when I was trying to make a determination on what to do with the business, I was in the process of looking at making some acquisitions on my own, right? And then also trying to plan this 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 succession plan for the business entity at the same time. So in the process of doing that and through advice from peer-to-peer groups or Vistage or my, my counsel, it was, what are my options? And it was, you know, I explored, I love the idea. I think the idea of an ESOP is, is fantastic. You, you got people that have supported you on this journey and you, you can provide them with some piece of this thing, you know, upon your exit. So we looked at that. We had been receiving multiple opportunities from strategic buyers to come in and acquire us. And then I became kind of intrigued with the whole idea of, of private equity and family offices to kind of help go out and support and raise capital because of my relationships in, in Vistage, truthfully. Everybody was either buying somebody or becoming part of a different platform. And as I started chipping away at those options, and this this took four years for me to kind of yeah. navigate through this thing, um, we explored every single opportunity. And I... I just said at the time, I was like, I'm not really young enough. I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. The goal was to protect everybody that was a part of this. And 
it became clear to me in the summer of, I think, 2018 or 19 that I wanted to really explore the private equity side. So we set out, really kind of jotted down, created a list of kind of non-negotiables and what we were looking for in a partner. Great we had idea. spent the pre spent the previous eight years really bu building out that business model, that better mousetrap that we had talked about. So we took all of that information and data. I, I leaned on a broker who I had been friends with for, for years and really went out and started pitching the business. Right. So it sounds to me that you were very strategic in your mind as terms of, well, hey, what attributes can you build into your existing business to make it as attractive as possible to either private equity or a family office injection? Uh, you had a network that you were able to leverage and they, you probably went back then what else can I do to make my business better? Right. Uh, or where am I? I like, as I like to tell our clients, Hey, you're leaking oil here. We need to, we need to tighten things up a little bit and make you a bit more attractive. So was it a private equity transaction or did you head off? I've heard you use the word family office. Can you share a little bit with our listeners what you mean by family office? I think of bill pay and uh, scheduling my vacation, but it's far beyond that in today's marketplace. Yeah. So when I put this list of criteria together on what I was looking for in a partner, strategic partner that was going to kind of help us grow the business, take the model that we had built and not just grow it, but scale it. Right. So we've always worked on the bit. We had always worked on growing our business. I was interested now in scaling our business. Mm -hmm. So well, one well, of the things, well, let me just press you there for a little bit. I mean, growth, get it. I understand what that is. For our listeners in the landscaping business, what does it mean to scale a landscaping company? It meant we felt that we had a significant market share in Cleveland. And I knew because obviously Cleveland, we're up on the lake here. In order for us to continue to grow, right, we needed to explore leaving Cleveland, right? We needed to step outside of our existing market. So to me, growth is a byproduct of day-to-day -day operations, right? We go out, we sell, we retain mm -hmm. customers, we retain employees, and we just do better and better and better year over year. Mm -hmm. The idea and the difference of scaling to me is we enter new markets, whether it's greenfield or through acquisition, it really gave us an opportunity to take what we had proven to be a successful business model and drop it into a, a, a separate market. So, and of course, you know, at 50 years old at the time, I started looking at what these acquisitions were actually going to cost me to a point where I felt comfortable that I was making the right investment in the right people in these acquisitions, not just their business, but in the management team. It became you know, very clear to me that I really wasn't all that thrilled about kind of leveraging myself to the extent that I would have had to, because like a lot of you know, good entrepreneurs over the years, we had eliminated most, if not all of our debt. Um, so I was, that also was part of this process. And I would say the single biggest, most important thing to me, as I started looking at this, there's a lot of bad stories out there about people partnering with private equity and things go sideways. And I really wanted to make sure that I partnered with somebody that was into patient capital, meaning this wasn't a three to five or six year sprint and then fill, to get and to then a number, it, right? Yeah, profit at all costs, profit over people, um, because we had been able to accomplish what we did with people. So I was fortunate that when I found our partner, they were absolutely very patient capital minded. They had only exited a few companies over that period of time, and they were extremely people centric because they're, the rest of the companies in their portfolio are all heavily people driven. 
So we took our time. That probably took the better part of eight or 10 months to make sure that we were really interviewing people and really making sure we were partnering with the right folks. Yeah, I mean, you have to find a, a, a capital partner, family office, uh, let's say in this case, or an investor, an angel investor that has the same uh, values, uh, the same long-term mindset, I heard you say there, that you could say, hey, I, I want to build it the right way. I want to take the secret sauce of shill grounds management and spread it throughout the Midwest and, and now up north to our Canadian, uh, our, our Canadian friends. So a couple more things I want to uh, explore with you. And again, our guest today, again, is Jerry Schill, uh, CEO of Schill Grounds Management. What do you see? Uh, what's your three to five year vision for Schill? You mentioned a thousand employee. Did you say 28 offices, two countries, correct? About 20 offices, two countries, four states. Yeah, currently. That, that, that's awesome. So, I mean, we're talking again here. We, we reconnect three years from now. What do you see the, you know, in your mind's eye, where do you see the business? You know, we don't have an artificial, we don't have an artificial kind of playbook, right? We're, we're EOS practitioners too, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, we, we do sit down and methodically plan out. Um, our goal is to grow the right way, mm. um, both acquisitively and organically. Um, you know, there's the markets do what the markets do. The debt markets are doing what they're doing today. Uh, multiples are kind of, you know, all over the board right now. There's more money than, than deals out there in, in a lot of cases. So we have kind of these two paths. We've got this organic natural growth pattern, which we still look at. And we pressurize that system to produce anywhere from 12 to 18% organically year over year. Wow. And when we have the opportunity to, you know, to latch on to a, a great partner through acquisition that's going to fit into our owner's network and, you know, continue to provide value for the employees. We'll, you know, we'll grow as quickly uh, as we can or should be grown, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of our clients in it that are, are growing by acquisition and organically, naturally. And they say, well, we'll know the right acquisition when we see them, but we're not pressed to make one. We don't have capital that we must deploy in a certain period of time. Uh, what I want to explore in the last you know, few minutes here is what I love. I was on your website uh, and we work, as you know, uh, my background is exit planning, business planning uh, advisor. There's so many baby boomer business owners out there and they're looking for succession plans. So I would say <laughs> to use a landscaping, you've got a lot of fertile ground of exiting owners. What types are you looking for? That's one question. And then the other thing is you've given them three options. They can full sale and exit now. They can full sale and stay on with the transition. And then I like this sell and stay on model that you that you uh, you kind of talked about in on your on your website. So you're giving them three different options, right? An exiting owner can full sale and exit. Now I could leave. I could sell you my business. I could sell you my business and say, I'm leaving in five years, or I could sell and stay on and kind of maybe run the Cincinnati office as an example. I love the fact that the shill grounds management model is giving exiting owners options. And can you, can you touch on that? And do you have a particular favorite, if you will? Yeah. So I guess I haven't talked about this yet, but we have two really important core values and it's, we are employee centered and we're customer focused. Anytime we're looking at an acquisition, right? There, those are the two things that really guide the decisions on whether or not we're going to do 
a deal. We have to be completely aligned with the owner. Um, we, the owner needs to understand what our expectations are. And we also want to get comfortable with what their expectations are on post-transaction. So we spend a lot of time really meeting with these folks. We put all the work into a deal prior to LOI, truthfully, sure. because to, to, to us, right, our goal is to never lose an employee and never lose a customer. So when we're looking at companies or partners, whether it's a beachhead or kind of this tuck-in acquisition, we're really looking at aligned interests with the owner. And then we're also looking at their management team. Like we understand landscaping and cutting grass and plow. So that's, that's the easy part of it. It's like, do we align culturally with the direction that not just the owner wants to go because the owner is going to sweep some chips off the table, right? And, you know, pull the majority of their net worth out of that business. Technically, they're going to be okay regardless of what happens. What really matters to us and what's important is what's going to happen to that management team mm -hmm. should the owner decide to, decide to exit. Everybody thinks everything's going to be okay, but we all know that people are people and this is a very emotional process. So we really spend a lot of our time focusing on that second layer of an organization to make sure in the event that the owner either A, has to leave, wants to leave, or has some time at exit, that the people coming up behind them are going to be able to kind of, you know, really fit in culturally, take the reins and kind of run the business the way that we're, we're accustomed to running them. Yeah, that's great. Again, great insight. I mean, so many of the clients that we start to work with and, and, and you started early in your self-realization and understanding who you were, your core values, but so many of the business that I call on, they don't have decent professional management within their business. So a lot of these businesses become unexable. I mean, if if I left the building, the building fall, the business falls apart. I love the fact that you're focusing not only a, do you have a management team, but does that management team align with the fundamental values of shill ground management under your leadership? And, it, and it's just phenomenal stuff. Jerry, I can't thank you enough. This has been a great story. It's been great uh, to watch you from a distance. And I mean that sincerely in Northeast Ohio. And uh, I do have a number of landscaping clients Certainly not as big as shill ground management, but every bit is professional and they understand that they need to work on their business. Our guest today has been Jerry Schill, CEO of Shill Ground Management. Jerry, tell our listeners where they can get a hold of you and where the best place to, uh, to, to, to find out more about your organization. Yeah, so obviously the website is a great tool and a resource. You can go online and um, fill out a contact form. You can direct message me on LinkedIn, or you can call 440-327-3030 and you'll be patched over to me. I look That's forward great. to talking to anybody that wants to talk. That's great. Well, this has uh, been Mark Dorman, your host of The Finish Big, the podcast where the great entrepreneurs learn to exit their business and who should be involved. If you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at area code 330-416-9271 or hit us up at www.legacybusinessadvisors.com. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, continue to work on your business and here's to finishing big. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed listening to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes are available. Learn more at LegacyBusinessAdvisors.com or call 330-350-5410. Please be aware the information in these podcasts represent the views and opinions of our guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Legacy Business Advisors. 
The content is for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax or legal advice. Always seek the advice of your legal or tax professional with any questions regarding your specific situation.